between the cherubim shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim shine forth. can have our seats. <clears throat> Thank you, Father. Sosko, 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 Sosko,
Makati Bravasata, Banoso Kani, Anamashatebera, Rosso Kane, Menita, Ebrofasote, Makatari, Agarabazate, Rosso Pala, Menoste, Eli, Vrabasoteri, Agaroste, Brahmanate, Brahmanate, Vrabasote, Nagari, Ovrebabababababanakatate, Pasakari, Araboste, Eli, Kati, Manasataria, Makate Venata, Ofre Coste, Prate Venosto, Prate Benoste, Evrosso Pane Gadoste, Prane Sita Bagarosta, Eli Prahate Bagadagadagadagadagadagadagadagadagadagadagadagadagadagadagadagadagadagadagadagadagadagadagadagadagadagadagadagadagadagadagadagadagadagadagadagadagadagadagadagadagadagadagadagadagadagadagadagadagad
Jesus Christ the righteous. Praise God. Father, we thank you this morning for your glory. Thank you for the glory that teaches us your glory. Thank you for Thank you for the ministration of glory. Thank you for also helps and mercies that comes with that same ministry. Thank you this morning for the mercy for this moment, Lord, to capture the full scope of the blessing which you want to give to to us. Thank you because you are already here by your spirit and even by your son through the word which he has commanded, which you have commanded by him to come to us this morning. We ask you will bring us into this moment, into into this provision. I ask for grace to access the spirit of this message. Lord, I thank you because hearts, our hearts will flow, we will journey, we will move quickly, Lord, even to inherit these things. Thank you for the gift of spirit, the spirit, the, that which you promise, which you will give to us, which who will guide us into all truth. We ask for the guidance of the Spirit this morning to, for even eyes to even, even, even individual hearts to find their own paths. Father, even in this knowledge, in these things. Thank you. Thank you for the anointing to minister. Thank you for the grace this morning. Bless your holy name, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Faranashta pa arapasta para, pariala para pasta pariata para, foradamaste heniota, faranotias to open, opening a clasti, Christium, open it a mind, open it a mind, open it a mind, altus for this fire, onish onimaigahat, hanimigahat, ailman kamas terestrist. He's the brother, he's the brother, heart the brother, she's the brother, he's the fellow daughter. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. John, First John 2, it says, I'll read it from verse 2 now. Amen. Thank you. It says, and he's the propitiation for our sins and not for as only, but also for the sins of the world. And hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. Praise God. He that said, I know him and keepeth not his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word... In him verily is the love of God perfected. And hereby we know that we are in him. Praise God. And, and he that saith he abideth in him ought himself also to walk 
even as he walked. And brethren, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment which ye had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which ye have heard from the beginning. And again, a new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true in him and in you. Because the darkness is past, and the what? The true light now, now shineth. Praise the Lord. Amen. And he that said he's, he that said he's in the light and hated his brother is in darkness, even until now. And he that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of what? Stumbling. There is none occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hated his brother is in darkness and walketh in darkness and knoweth not whither he goeth, because that darkness had blinded his what? His eyes. Praise God. And I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. Praise God. I write unto you, fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you, young men, because ye have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you, little children, because you have known the Father. I have written unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you, young men, because you are strong. The word of God abideth in you, and you have overcome the wicked one. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away and the lust thereof, but he that doth what? Doeth the will of God. Doth what? Can you say that? That the world passeth away and the lust thereof but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Praise God. Praise God. You can just welcome somebody, say you're welcome. I'm happy to see you this morning. <laughs> Amen. I'm glad you're able to make it despite the rain. Um, <clears throat> Praise God. Um, so we are looking at this thing about the law of God. Amen. Amen. Um, I love this verse here, verse, this verse 16. It says, um, sorry, verse 17, that he that doeth the will of God will, will abide for what? Will abide forever. He that doeth the will of God. So, so it's very clear that God's will is the, God's will is, a, is actually a provision for, it's connected to the abode of God or the abiding forever or abiding forever in God. Praise the Lord. Now, the doing of the will, not just the hearing of it, but the doing of it. So, this doing is the doing of the 
of the deeds or the works that are revealed in the will. Right? The doing of the works. So these are the doing of the works of the will would make someone to abide forever. So, of course, this will is, is not the will of man. It's what the Bible calls the will of God. And the, this will of God is connected to, praise God, in the book of John, chapter 1. John connected this will to the, to the estate that the son, let's see, John chapter, John chapter 1, verse, verse, from verse 10. <clears throat> Amen. Thank you, Jesus. John 1, verse 10, it says that he was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not, right? Then he came unto his own, and his own received him not, but as many as received him, then to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. So those who have been given power to become the sons of God, uh, these are the people that uh, are them that it says here have received him. Now, now when you're saying received him, this word received him here is not talking about people who refuse to give their life to Christ. Praise God. It's not talking about, it couldn't be talking about them. Uh, when, Jesus, when Jesus came, those people who he called his own were people who were his, his own in the flesh. The ones who did not receive him. So, and those who were his own in the flesh were Jews. Am I correct? Praise God. So when he came to them as Jews, he didn't come to them as he didn't come to them um, what, when you say coming, we spoke a little bit about coming, right? We said that coming, when he speaks to the, the bringing in of a person, the bringing in of a, of a nature of a person. Now, um, there, are, there are places that you might have, that might have given you access some years ago. But right now, if you go there now, you can't gain access to them. Praise God. Let me give, tell you an example. Just I mean, very basic example. If you went to a daycare and you said, okay, I want to enroll. And then they say, sorry, you want to enroll your child? You say, no, not my child. I want to enroll in a daycare. What will happen? <laughs> what? It's not possible, am I correct? Now, why, why is it not possible for you to enroll in daycare? Because you have grown beyond that. So there was, there was a time when you could have been admitted there. It would have been normal, but now it's no longer normal. Are you getting me? Now, let's take it further from, because that's speaking about just the physical development. Just looking at you, your height and everything, the bass in your voice or whatever, they say, no, we can't admit you into this place. Praise God. Um, but let's look at it in the soul dimension. Right, there are companies that would have admitted you before, some maybe just some few years back or so. That right now, the way you are, you can't they can't admit you 
into such company because of the conversation in that company. They say your own conversation is different from ours. You cannot add to our own word, our own conversation. I mean, you get what I'm trying to say? That your soul has moved beyond that place. So you cannot be received. There are some of, maybe some of your friends who you've actually, by virtue of growth, you have found exit from their company and their conversation. That if you try to go back with your, the, your current conversation, you can never gain entrance because they have stayed in that place. Do you agree with what I'm saying? Even if you are there, you can there just be say, okay, we are friends, let's not leave each other, but conversation is different. You, you won't gain access into their fellowship. They can't admit you into their fellowship because of you have a contrary logos to what they have. Praise God. Am I, am I correct? So now when we are looking at this thing, when the Bible says that Jesus Christ came to his own, we know the time when he came to his own, he didn't come the subject of them receiving him did not come when he was one, two, three, four, five, six years old, not even when he was 19, 20, 21, 22, when he was still growing. It was when he was actually, by the time where he emerged, and it was time for Israel to make a decision to receive him. The man who was before them was a son of God. Do you agree with me? So they didn't give Israel the chance to receive maybe a little baby Christ or a little Christ, maybe a Christ maybe that has gained some maturity, maybe when he was 21, 22, he has grown to a level in stature in his Christos. Praise God. They didn't, that, that Jesus wasn't yet given to Israel because you know it's the son who is given according to Isaiah chapter Chapter 9, am I correct? For unto us a child is born and a son. They have to raise him up into a son. So it is the son of God who came to John in the where? River Jordan. And John baptized, was baptizing a son of God. It wasn't just somebody who had come into the, the, the stature of Christ. He had moved into sonship with God. Praise the Lord. And then John baptized him, and when God spoke, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. So that beloved son we saw is a son that has come into a place of the beloved, right? A place of fellowship with the Father. Praise God. So that was a very, very high stature being. So, so the being that came to the Jews, it wasn't the Jesus Christ that they preached to you when you, when you got born again. Now, if they brought that Jesus, the same Jesus that came to the Jews, and they brought him just the way he was like that to us right now, it's very possible that we might not be Christians today. Praise God. Because of the intimidation that we will feel, praise God, we will not be able, most likely we might not be able to receive him. In that way. That, so if they transported you back then to that time, it's possible that you would have also joined the Jews and said, look, this guy, there's something weird about this guy. This is not the Messiah that they spoke about. Praise God. Am I saying something to you? Are you sure? Okay. So it means that so for Jesus to be received by men, they had to change something. They had to remove him 
from the physical. They had to take him away and then develop another method by which he can come small by small. He can come layer by layer. He can come face by face. Praise God. They, they had to, the, the Jesus that had to go to the Gentiles first, before they can bring Jesus first, he first brought spirit and spirit and spirit before the, the beginning of Christ began to be taught by revelation. Are you getting what I'm saying? So, the heaven, they already know, before Jesus Christ came, you know, there's something that God does, eh? When God raised his son physically like that and brought him to Israel, he knew that I'm bringing a, stumbling, a great offense, a great stumbling block to the Jews. And it's for it's a calculation in the Godhead. It's just so that they can reject him, so that you can accept him. Because there's a way those Jews would have owned him. He would never come your way. Because... Because if, once they own him and they take him, they, God can't give you, give him to you again. The Jews will ask God, no, he's our property. Sure, you promised him to us. You didn't promise him to the Gentiles. So we've received him now. So he's our, <laughs> praise God. That's what they were asking him. Those who God helped to follow him. They kept asking him, will you restore the kingdom? Will you, are you this king that we've been waiting for? Because if he was the one, they would have owned him. Are you getting what I'm saying? Crowned him as their king and used him to rule the world. That would have been what the Jews would have done. So in order for them to stumble at him, God had to raise him, bring him to them. God waited and waited and waited. No, no, not yet. You at 20, 21, 22, 23, there's some of them that might still accept your conversation. But we want to bring you to the Jews when you're in your mouth is the conversation of everlasting life, which is a conversation that no man can ever accept in his raw form. If in a state that no man without help can receive. That was the state of Jesus at this point. Does that make sense to you? Praise the Lord. So when they say here that he came to his own and his own received him not, he's not saying, speaking to those who they preached Jesus too, and they refuse to get born again. These are, these are specific people who were the Jews. Am I correct? They are the ones that he came to. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. Now, this person who came, now who is he that came? He came, he came. He was actually um, the, the, the son of God. Am I correct? Like we were saying before, he's the son of God who God had raised to a certain level, a certain pedigree. And then verse 12, it says, but as many as received him, as many as received him, to them gave he power, praise God. To, so at this time when John was writing, you know, this was one of the latter epistles that were written of all the books in the New Testament, the, the writings of John. And so at this time, when John was writing, some people, actually many um, people, had actually been able to find a way to receive him. Right? But all of those who received him were those who were able to receive him by revelation. Right after Jesus had gone, and then God raised Saul of Tarsus to begin to teach him, right? 
and God raised other people, and Peter and Co. to begin to teach. And so as many, so he's saying that those who received him, to them he gave the word, the power to become the word, the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. So it's very clear that they received power to become the sons because what they had received was the stature, the, the essence of the son of God. And verse 13, they are describing more of these people who were able to receive him, that for them to receive him, something had to happen to them, that at some point they had to be born not of blood and not of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of what? Of God. They had to be born not of, not of blood, nor of the the will of the flesh, but who? Of what? Of the will of man, but what? They were born of, of who? Of God. So you're seeing that being born of God here is speaking about the, or being born of the will of God is speaking about those who are sons of God. That's just what I wanted to show from this place, right, that those who are born of the will of God were, are those who are what? Sons of God. Does that make sense to you? Now, the will of God is not a common, just a common commodity. We've started to know that the will of God is a particular will that someone can come into the doctrine of Christ but not yet begin to understand the will of God. Praise God. So, the the will of God, the understanding of God's will begins from the doctrine of the Father. That the doctrine of the Father is the first place where you taste or you have an access, the first access into the will of God. The will of Christ is also something. There is also or what is the will, it's, it's a type of God's will. But it's not very, very, it's not the very, very will of God. There is the will of Christ, and there is the will of God. How many of us understand what I'm trying to say? If you don't, don't worry, if you don't fully understand it, just let me know. Okay. <laughs> okay, only one person doesn't fully understand. That's fine, we can praise the Lord. I can teach you, even if I can teach you today, it's Okay. Now, so when this thing called will, say will. Will. No, when I said the, I said the will of God, there's the will of God, there's the will of Christ, but the will of Christ is the type of the will of God. Right? So one of the skills of the scripture of the New Testament is the sight of wills. Now, these beings, these spiritual beings that we have, um, which we have been called to learn, the scripture is actually the distribution of their wills. And if a soul cannot find the demarcation of their wills, you will not be able to journey in them. You will not be able to journey in what? You won't be able to journey in them. So there's a necessary, um, there's a necessary purpose in the scripture to bring about this separation so that you might know what is that good and that, that acceptable. And then that, what is that word? Perfect word, will of God. So the scripture actually brings division in terms of the departments 
of the wheels of God. Praise God. And it's, it's key because this is a, it's a great wisdom of God. Am I correct? So and what, what that means is that God just said, in order to reach man, I can't just down bring my, all my will to them. They don't have means to relate with my own will. That was the main reason why the Jews could not accept Jesus. Right? Because they had they, they the concept, right? That what the Jews had is what you call the will of man. Right? The will of man. What John was saying in the book of John chapter 1. When he says they were born not of the will of man. Why did he say that? He was creating a contrast between what made them that receive him able to receive him versus those people who were his own in the flesh who could not receive him. He came to his own, they received him not. But as many as received him to them, gave him power to become the sons of God. And now explain that these are them who were not born of what? Of blood, nor of what will of the flesh. Praise God, nor of the what? Will of man. Are you seeing, not of blood, not of the will of the flesh, not of the will of man. What are those three things? Not born of blood. Blood speaks about, it's not after the natural kingship, right? That's the meaning of blood. So he's telling that these people, their relationship wasn't based on his own, who he called his own. Those are the ones who were born of his blood in the flesh. How many of you agree with what I'm saying? So those his own, they were born of, the, of his blood in his flesh. They are his kinsmen, but they received him not. But those who were able to receive him, who were given power to become sons, they are those who were not born of blood, that kind of physical blood. Then he moved from the physical attribute of those people, which is like you and I, and he's now moving into soul attribute. When you talk of soul attribute, you begin to talk about wheels. Are you getting me? So those, his people who where his kinsmen in the flesh, you will find in them, they share in his physical blood. And what they have, when you move into their soul, you'll find that there's something called the will of man that is in them. The will. Say the will. The will of man. So when they say the will of man, that thing called will of man, it's the summation of everything a man can will for. You know, the Jew were the best type. When it comes to soul, right, they had the best, if you want to look for souls in the earth, at that time, you are looking for, let's look for the best souls we can find. Well, you have to go to journey to Israel to find them. Why? Because God put up, he brought a resource of preservation to the children and the people of Israel, which all other nations of the earth were not privy to. So while other nations of the earth were left alone, do what you can, do what you will. If you want to serve a stone, serve a stone. If you want to serve a dog or a goat or serve the sun or whatever you want to do, do whatever you want to do. You want to sow your whole life into vanity and forget about anything. Don't aspire to anything spiritual. Just live on the earth. That's the nature of a Gentile. The Bible calls them dogs. So every, all other nations of the earth were all dogs. They didn't count as man in the sight of God. They were beasts of the earth, looking downwards. They cared not about any other thing, about just to eat, feed their belly, reproduce themselves, nothing more, no higher thought, nothing. 
That's a Gentile. <laughs> Amen. That's who you are. That's our, our grandfathers, our great-grandfathers, our uh, praise God. So, and so such, a, such, a, such beings, man was so fallen. Right? When you look at the rest of the world, they were so fallen. They had fallen very, 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 very far. They almost became one with the dust of the ground. They almost became one with animals. Praise God. Or the same as animals. But the Jews were a little bit different in, in that God brought something to them that can slow down the, the word, the dissension into worthlessness and into vanity and into uselessness. That was, praise God. The, the average Gentile was useless to God. Praise God. Why? Because they can't talk, they can't contribute. They don't have any thinking about anything that has to do with it. It's only a Jew that worries that we have a God that we have above. Praise God. <laughs> we have a God. The Gentile, they feel they have gods, but they are gods. The way they relate to their God is not the way Jews relate to their own God. Are you getting what I'm saying? The Gentile relate to their God. The Gentile, they know their own God is dead. If they are God, if they get angry, they can throw this one away and bring another one. They can sack their God and bring another God. So that whole God thing for Gentiles was just a... <laughs> Praise the Lord. Um, amen. But, but for the Jews, they were different. But the Jews, um, they, they also had what you call the will of man. So the purpose of the law was actually to preserve the will of man. Amen. You know, there's a way you think the law was the will of God. But no, not really. <laughs> it wasn't, it's not really. See, all those things that God wrote in the Ten Commandments, those things were already in Adam. Adam did not have to. Ah, should I covet my, is it good to covet my neighbor's wife? Um, is it good to murder somebody? Do you think Adam was, you think that was a question in Adam's mind? That God had to tell him, Adam, don't kill. Praise the Lord. Do you think God had to tell Adam that? Do you think God didn't even have to tell Adam, there's no other God beside me. Don't serve anything else. Because Adam woke up with that knowledge. Are you, are you getting what I'm saying? So, so, those, so this thing called will of man is actually the will of the living soul. Which actually a lot of men are falling way below. Like the kind of men you see on the earth right now don't even have such will in them. Because if you just bring just raw Ten Commandments, most men don't, can't even, don't even aspire to it. Talk less of struggling with it to keep it. Do you get what I'm trying to say? That was the problem of the Jews. They said, okay, well, yes, these are actually laws from God, or as they could perceive, am I correct? And they kept striving, even if they kept failing, but they saw it as a ham. Am I making sense to you? Praise God. So the, the law was an instrument of preservation to preserve the life that God had poured into man through, through his initial breath, Praise God. But he's saying that these people who received him, they were not born of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of what? The will. So there's blood, then there's the will of the flesh. There's blood, the will of the flesh. Like I said, the will of the flesh is not, it's lower than the will of man. Before, they are not the same. They are, that word man, when you hear man here, as long as it's not new man, when they say man, man means living soul. Praise God. New man is quickening spirit. A new man is Christ, am I correct? But when you hear man, a lot of times man leaves, leaves, means Adam, or it means first, 
the first Adam, or it just means Adam. Because Jesus is no longer an Adam. Praise God. So, Adam, the word Adam just means the man of the earth. Am I correct? The, the man of the earth. Adam means the man of the earth. It's a kind of man. It's the, Adam means the first man that God made. God made two men. He made the first man and he made the second man. So the second man is Christ. He's the second creation or the new creation. The first creation with the height of the first creation on the earth is Adam. Praise the Lord. So, of course, will of flesh is lower than what? That's what I was saying, that man fell. The, the Gentiles, many of them had fallen way below this thing called the will of man. They were living in what you call the will of flesh, which is the same thing when you see a crocodile or a wall gecko or a spider or a dog or a ram. What, do they, what will do they have? Do you, do you know they have will too? Of course they have will. Try and make a goat do something. You know that a goat has what? <laughs> mean that the goat also has something leading him, inside of him. It's a program. It's very different from your own program, eh? Praise God. So, but all those things are called the will of flesh. But you see, men, they are men who their level of reasoning is not higher than that of a goat and a dog. When you look at it, when you take it, even though you say, ah, no, what do you mean? It's different. Can a goat build a house? Can a dog build, create an iPhone? Can a, can, amen, can a goat and a dog have an organized society? When you look at it <laughs> from, all you are just saying is that their own flesh is different. Your own flesh is higher than their flesh in terms of your cerebra. But that means nothing. When it, I'm talking about weight spiritually. When they take the, the wheel and weight on the scale in the spirit, they're trying to extract the spiritual content in it you find that the, the will of a cow and the will of a Gentile man are the same. In other words, none of them aspire to anything above what? The natural life. That is flesh. That was the lamentation of God, that this man in the book of Genesis chapter 6 has also become flesh. Man also, when he said also, it means like the animals. You know he said also there, that this man also has become flesh. He has become like all the other animals. Praise God. So are, are you seeing where they, are, they raised us from, eh? This journey, where we are coming from, to climb all these things. So, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but what? Of God. So, this God here is talking about the, the will of God. Praise the Lord. Amen. What did I say? He's talking about the will, the will of God. Now, so, of course, the will of God is the, <clears throat> is the provision. When you say will of God now, um, like I said before, God's will has divisions, right? Like you have the will of Christ, which is of God, you know, because Christ is of God. I mean, the Christ who of God is made unto us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and what? And redemption. Amen. So Christ is, who is Christ? Christ is the man of God. Praise the Lord. Christ is who? Is the, is the man of God. Adam was a man from God. He was a man that God created. And God put a will in Adam. 
Praise the Lord. And same thing with Christ also. Do you know that Christ is also a creature? I mean, if you believe that, that Christ is also a creature. Christ is a creature. I know you say, well, Christ is God. I agree. Christ is God. I agree. Christ is God. Yes. But Christ is not God. Amen. Are you getting the difference here? Now, if you say, if you say Christ is God, and I'll agree with you, and then you can say Christ is God. I say, no, Christ is not God. I say, what do you mean you're contradicting yourself? I say, no, I was both correct. That's the scripture for you, amen. So, you have to have wisdom to divide. Now, if you say Christ, and you say, okay, by Christ, you mean Jesus, that man. Because he's also Christ. When you call him, you can call him Christ. It's also his name. So if by Christ you mean that man, that man called Jesus. I see, I see that man called Jesus is God. I agree with you, yes. But if by Christ you say, no, I'm talking about that, that constitution, that creature, creation, which is soul inherited, that that thing is God. I would say, no, that Christ is just a new man. It's just another creation. Am I, are you getting the sense of what I'm saying? These are the divisions. This is, this is very, very low. I know we all know this, but I just feel in my heart to, to say this to some of us who might not understand these things. Praise God. I mean, if you get my point now. Do you get my point? You don't get my point? Okay. Praise God. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Praise God. <clears throat> Christ is a, what you call Christ in the spirit is actually a body of laws. Yeah. Then that body of laws it was it actually created, was created a long time ago. God has invented Christ inside of him. But there was a long time on the earth for thousands of years where there was no man you can call Christ. Like Adam was invented. We don't know when Adam was, was invented. All we know is that at one point, God formed a man of the dust of the ground. Then God now brought out Adam from inside of him and breathed Adam into him. And then he woke up a living soul. Now, when was that Adam formed inside God? I don't know. It has been probably there for a long time. There you go. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? So when you say Adam, when he was formed, before God breathed into him, he was just a body. He couldn't do things. He couldn't wake up and begin to think and begin to look around and begin to consider things and begin to master fellowship and all of those things which he was learning in the garden. But, but the man who did that uh, is, the, is, a, is a creation inside God that God breathed into him. is the, the impartation of the laws of that life, a kind of a man. That was the first man called Adam. Do you agree with what I'm trying to say? 
And I'm just saying that Christ is also something like that. He was, has been inside God a long time ago. He's just a different creation from Adam. And for a long time, no man could receive that because Christ is different from Adam. So for any man to, the same way God could breathe, breathe into Adam, right? God had to, when he wants to introduce Christ into the world, he needed somebody who can trap that same breath from God. That kind of operation. And not anybody, all the men on the earth were not interested in, in being anything else from what they were. But Jesus Christ was interested he was interested in a new creation, in a new man, because he knew that this man is in the Father. It has been written in the prophets that this man will be born. Praise the Lord. Am I, am I making sense? Aha. So Jesus Christ received Jesus now, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus of Nazareth received the, that breath. Praise God. When I say breath now, how does the soul receive breath? It's very clear to you that the breath that can impart nature into a soul is not just air. Let's say oxygen, nitrogen, what other carbon dioxide mixed together. That's not what God breathed into Adam to become a living soul. We're talking about the giving of his laws. Am I correct? So it's, amen. Aha. Uh-huh. It's God putting spiritual laws into a man that has been designed to house spiritual laws. Like you now are just a lady who has laws in her. You have your own laws. Those laws are your own logos that you carry. That your own logos can interact with his own logos and you can discuss and you can gist. It's your logos talking out of your own logos. Where are you talking from is laws that are inside of you that you speak from. Praise God. He can also speak from his own laws. And you can match, you can disagree, you can agree, you can fight, you can reconcile. It's just two different laws at work. Are you getting what I'm trying to tell you? So what I'm just saying is that Christ is a law too. Yes. That was a law that they referred to as the law of the spirit of life in Christ in Romans chapter 8. Are you getting what I'm saying? So that law is something that you, a man also receives. So when someone gets born again, they get filled with the Holy Spirit, and they continue to get filled and filled and filled unto fullness. A time will open where heaven will say, okay, it's now time to begin to breathe into them. The same, the breath of Christ, the way God breathed into Adam, the breath of what? Life. So that breath of Christ comes by revelation. So the purpose why God raised Paul as an epistle is to come and establish the doctrine, the writing that can open men up to receive that a new breath called Christ into their person. So every revelation is a breath from God. Are you getting what I'm saying? Do you understand what I'm saying now? Uh-huh. So you see that Christ now is a, is a, Christ is a creation, right, of God. Now when I say it is not God, what I mean is this, that when you look at Christ, is the will in Christ. Remember how I said that your own logos is interacting with his own logos. Those are two wheels that are talking to each other. 
Do you agree with me? The will is a constitution inside of him. There's a way that when they see in kind heaven, they actually see a being with a constitution of a will. That constitution is a logos that is sitting on, is written inside of him. Now, out of that logos, he can be having conversation, or, or he can be bringing forth what you call rema. Rema is what you pick from the logos. Is the, rema is that which can travel out of the logos, that which can move in bits and pieces. So he can be, when he's speaking, he's bringing forth his own rema, right? And I can be bringing forth my own rema. You get but those, that rema is coming out of the logos of his. So who you call Yinka, Yinka, for in terms of his soul, effectively, is that inward man on the inside. Do you understand what I'm saying? Uh-huh. Now, do you know that this, this Yinka now, can, this Yinka, let's say I met him some years ago. Now, I can come and say, that Yinka I met years ago is not Yinka. You say, what do you mean? They will not come and say, that Yinka I met yesterday is Yinka. You say, ah, but you just said two different things that are not the same. What do you mean? Well, you get the sense of what I'm trying to say. What I'm saying is that that Yinka I met summarizes content. And this Yinka now, they are not the same. Actually, their logos could actually fart. This one could say, no, this is, I believe. So I'm saying, nah, 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 nah. <laughs> this thing you're saying doesn't make sense. You're talking about two different logoses. Because between that time and now, a lot of breath has gone in. Are you getting what I'm trying to tell you? A lot of breath has gone into him that has changed the logos that he's carrying. Can you, can you, can you make a separation? So if I say Yinka now, you can say, hey, Pastor Jeff, don't be shouting Yinka. Tell us first. <laughs> Which Yinka are you talking about? Are you talking about Yinka, son of Mr. Alao, or... Are you talking about the present logos of Yinka? Now, don't ask me that question. Okay? <laughs> I will answer you. Because <laughs> I know you're a troublemaker. <laughs> but, but, but do you understand what I'm trying to say? But that's an actually an accurate question. Because that Yinka son of Olao can then decide tomorrow, okay, I want to change my logos. And then change into something else. Do you agree with, with that? Same thing, when you hear Jesus, that word Jesus is a compilation of many things. If you want to be really, really, really accurate, anytime you mention Jesus, you ask you, okay, which, um, which, which um, module of Jesus? <laughs> when you say, at the name of Jesus, every niche about now, and I say, wait, hold on first. It's not every module of Jesus that every knee bow to. There is a model of Jesus that they can say, hey, little boy, stop talking. <laughs> because that Philippians chapter 2 makes sure to mention that it doesn't just any Jesus. Therefore, God had highly exalted him. Before he was exalted, there was a Jesus before he was exalted. There were things that he had to go through. Are you getting what I'm saying? Now, the name of Jesus, that at the mention of that one, every knee shall bow, is the one that all things that they put under his feet. That one is not the one that baby Mary was bathing. 
Praise the Lord. Now that was he the one who was carrying his father's carpentry thing when he was 20, in his 20s. It's not that one. We're talking about the one that has sat at the right hand of God. Who the Father God has breathed his own logos into. Do you understand what I'm trying to tell you? So that, that Jesus, that's why when you look at Peter's language in, in, in Acts chapter 2, he, he said, look, this same Jesus, he's the same, but look, this same Jesus, son of Mary and Joseph, this man had God made, both Lord and Christ. Now, of course, he was made even more than, more than those things, but it's just the, the, the dimension he went to open up to them at that time was that he has been made. They made him, then they made him again. And then made him again. So the, the full making of Jesus is the inheriting of something called the will of God. So it's very clear that spiritual transformation is talking about exchange of wills. It's the spiritual growth is the metamorphosis of the wills in a man. That is spiritual. You ask, okay, you ask a point. Okay, fresh revelation will come. Ah, no, this man is wrong. There is a writer man that is being revealed. You exchange this wrong man for the writer man. You get what I'm saying? That's the concept of the old man. And say, put on the new man. How do you put him on? Receive him by revelation. Praise God. Do you understand, my sister? Do you understand what I'm trying to say now? Praise God. Praise the Lord. That's why all these are the skills you must be armed with to read the Bible. If every time you see Jesus, you just interpret Jesus, no, 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 you will not understand anything in the Bible. Or anytime you see Christ, you think they're just speaking about one thing. No, you won't understand every, anything in the Scripture. When you say something that is of God and you just think it's everything, No. Sometimes when they say of God, they might be saying something that is actually God's own estate. Or they might be saying something that God produced. They are not the same thing. Now when God raised Christ, I mean that estate called Christ, is not everything in God that is in Christ. But Christ can receive all the rest that is in God. That is not in the, st- st- the stature of that thing called fullness of just Christ. You get what I'm saying? You now realize, you now understand the, the, the concept of Christ being the foundation of God. So Christ is, God is, Christ is the man that God comes to. So God has said, God cannot, so, so in the presence of metamorphosis, a man cannot metamorphosize from will of flesh to God, it can't happen, right? God cannot, God cannot, he cannot exchange his very will for the will of flesh. Do you know why? Because there's no meeting point. Try to tell flesh about God, like these conversations about God's life, his everlasting life, the things that God thinks where he is right now. Try and tell the flesh, think that thing. When you are bringing it, he can't even, he has no mechanism, no means to identify with what you are saying. So no man can from flesh become coming to God's own will. It's not possible. 
But you can raise a flesh from being a flesh to come into the first, the first level of spirituality, which is the milk level. From flesh coming to some level of milk, which is what the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit brings us, in, is the introduction to spirituality. That's the Holy Spirit. When someone gets born again, you get filled with the Holy Spirit. They begin to open you up. To, okay, now, there are things called spiritual things now. That's the first introduction that milk of the world brings you into. How many of you believe what I'm saying? Before the milk of the world, nobody was interested in spiritual things. We were interested in our car, our house, our money, our future, our career, our children, our family, all the other things. Amen. We're not interested in spiritual essence and materiality. When you get born again, they have to introduce someone called the Holy Spirit to you. The Holy Spirit, first of all, will begin to make you speak in tongues. And you can speak in tongues. It fills you and it makes you speak. Teaching your, teaching your depth. It wants to wake up. Come on, wake up. Wake up. Wake up. Wake up. It's tapping your depth. Tapping your depth. Wake up. Wake up. You are made for more than this. There are other things. There are other things. There are other things. It's not all food, food all the time. It's not always food and playing and games and all of that. Going out, coming back home, party, singing, dancing, gisting, going to school, getting work, going to work, getting paid, buying clothes, buying shoes, getting married, having wife, having children, having grand. No, no, it's not all that. There are other things. That's what the Holy Ghost does to, the, to you. By just by praying the Spirit, He's pushing you further away. The more you do that, the more you do that, the more you something you touches another realm that you don't normally you don't think about normally before. And the more you do that, He's dousing your appetite for the outward, for the things that gratify the flesh, and He's opening another door of appetite. For things that are not physically tangible but are spiritually real, they open your, your, your heart and teach your soul, your depth, the concept of spiritual materiality and another frame of reality that has nothing to do with what you can teach or, or you can touch or put in your mouth or digest or anything like that or wear. They're talking about open your heart to things that satisfy you differently from the satisfaction of the carnal things that are in the world. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. Am I correct? Because anybody who doesn't have such a sense can never receive Christ because Christ is a spiritual man. Am I making sense to you? When it's time, like when the Ephesian church got to the time when they need to now start, okay, you have been enjoying spiritual things in terms of the gifts of the Spirit, right? You've, you've, um, you've learned that they are, they are spiritual. You've operated maybe in even operations of, the, of spiritual things, like maybe healing, miracles, Getting things done by a spiritual method. Now, the whole purpose of that, which is the season of the milk, is to open up your awareness, right, to what? To things that are not natural. So now that 
you are aware of that realm. Now, there are statues, persons, beings, inheritances in that world. The way you have countries, cars, houses, nations. Think of all the things that are in this world. And men, men will just live their whole lifetime here. Just, it, it, it so can live from when they are born to when they die. They live decades in the earth. In all that time, they are, they are, they are taught, their desire never climbs for a second above things here. What does that tell you? That there are enough things in this world. Are you getting me? So the, the Holy Ghost is to first now make you aware of another world. Then when you have come to so much abundance of the infilling of the spirit, then they now say, okay, this world we've made you aware of. We now want to now begin to tell you about things in that world. And the things in that world are infinitely more than the things in this world. Praise God. So you now come to the Ephesian prayer, right? Have I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints? And I begin to pray for you that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, will grant unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Are you seeing that? The spirit of wisdom and revelation in where? The knowledge of him. So that's the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowing of things that are spiritual. That you might know what is the hope of his calling than the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Amen. Amen. So that's why I said the, the, the world of inheritance and the spirit begins from Christ. Right? Christ, there are two things to inherit. Christ and God. Two things to inherit. What? Christ and God. Who is Christ? Christ, the real thing they want man to inherit is God. That is God has, God is the person that has prepared. No, God has been promising us every time. Promise, 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 promise. From Abraham, even before, talking to man about what promise he has. So much good things he has. Amen. And then we now see by revelation that the real promise, when I say, God, what is this thing you've been promising all since? Then God is now saying, okay, I'm the one who is actually me. Well, at that point, a lot of people will get angry that. Now, if God now just come and say, I'm the one. Now, God cannot come and say, I am your inheritance to a flesh. Flesh doesn't know what God means. To flesh, his God is his belly. Right? Paul said that, right? What does that, what does it mean of someone's God being his belly? It means that anything that is God is anything that can add gratification to his natural person. So anything that cannot gratify his natural person, he's not interested in such a thing. Are you getting what I'm saying? So, so this whole journey is actually to in, is the inheritance of God. What do I mean by God? I mean the logos of God. The inward constitution of God. The inward way he thinks. The way he reasons. The way he relates. How, he, how his, his own calculation concerning things. That's what God wants to put in a man. That a man can have that. 
But there has to be an intermediary man. Right? The first man that God created cannot receive him. So God says, okay, let us, who is Christ? Christ is the man that God made that can receive God. Right? Christ is the, Christ is the man. This is a sign that Christ has been formed in a person. Is that Christ is the man that you come and talk to about, okay, these are the things about God, his life, his love, his mercies. This is his calculation, his judgment. When you're talking to Christ, Christ is like, okay, okay. Okay, that's good. Oh, oh, I love that particular aspect. I'm very interested in that one. He, there's a genuine appetite. It's impossible to create an appetite for God in a natural man. Only a Christ can what? Receive the conversation of God. Am I making sense to you? Praise the Lord. Amen. Let's go back to First John chapter... <clears throat> First John chapter 2. First John 2 verse 15. He said, he said, love not the world, right? Neither the things that are in the world. That if any man love the world, the, the love of the who? The love of the Father is what? Is not in him. Now, I, I, I said something before. I said... Now, we've established different things. We've established the will of the flesh, the will of man. We saw the will of the first man. There's also the will of the second man, which is the will of Christ. Am I correct? Now, there are also higher, there's a higher will. Then you have the will of God. And I said something to you that the will of God begins from the Father. The will of the Father is actually the will of God. Praise God. Now, when you hear the word father, father is, okay, is father a creation? No. Amen. So when, when you say Christ, God, you are not speaking in the same terms when you say father, son. You agree with me? When you say Father, when you say Christ and you say God, you are speaking of um, you are speaking of um, you are speaking of spiritual estates, spiritual um, hey, word or English um. When you say Christ, when you say God, it's like saying, criminal law versus, what what other kind of law? Civil law, or, (laughs) sorry, I don't know anything about those things. Well, you're talking about two different kinds of laws, eh? You can say law, criminal law, then what? Civil law, two different laws. Then, then you're, not, you're talking in one frame, two different laws. Then you can now say judge, advocate. They are, they are two different things. 
they can, they can be a judge and an advocate that's, that's applying that in the matter of criminal law. They can be a judge and an advocate that they now remove criminal law, bring another law. They can deal with this law as well. Uh-huh. So those laws, those are constitutions. They are estates. Like Christ is an estate in the spirit. That is the, that's the summation of wheels. God is another estate. It's summation of wheels. Now, when you say father and son, those are roles. They are more like roles, right? Do you understand what I'm trying to But it's not role that maybe role anybody can just be father. Today I'm father now. Let me act as a father. No, it's not that kind of role. It's a role that, it's a role that, you, that you have to be, have, there's an equipment that must be there. So it's a role that persons must occupy. Yes, persons must occupy that role. Am I making sense to you? Are you sure? So I said that when, when you speak about the, the father, for example, the father, God the father, Right. The father is the is an is a role that God plays, right? When it comes to the matter of introducing and raising and developing an entity in anything that pertains to the will of God. Do you agree with me? That is the word Father. I mean the Almighty Father. Am I making sense to you? Now, when you come to the administration of Christ, God the Father doesn't doesn't move into Christ. He doesn't, he, God the Father doesn't make himself and he doesn't come into a fatherly dealing in the season of development of Christ. Rather, he raised another father to do that. Do you agree with me? Who is the father that God raised to father men in Christ? Who is the person? Jesus. Jesus. Do you believe Jesus is also a father? <laughs> Praise God. His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. Prince of Peace. Jesus is also a father. Praise God. Yes. Jesus is also a father. So you see Jesus depicted as a father and Jesus depicted as a son as well. He's a father He's also his son. When he's his son, he's the son of his father. Yeah. 
right? Do you agree with that? He's a son of his father. So that same that son of his father can also be is also a father as well. Now I am a son of my father. Doesn't stop me from being a father. I'm also a father. What my father? I'm not a father to my father. I'm a father to my daughter. But I'm somebody's son. Am I making some sense to you? (laughs) Yes. Now, one of the main purpose of the fatherly roles of Jesus is to introduce you to his own father. Yeah. God, Jesus is a son, he's a son. Jesus is a son, but in terms of his development, his development did not end at being a son. Any son who remains a son has not been developed properly. One of the, the purpose of developing a son, when the father says, ah, I have finished my work in my son, is when the son becomes a father. Then you are done. Do you, so you, see, it's, not, it's not possible that God fathered Jesus and left him as a son. Because Jesus said, I am the children that you gave to me. That's those children are who he is the father. Jesus is also the father of who? Of children as well. So they are children of Jesus who have not yet met the father of Jesus. But to them, the father they know is Jesus. And they know him, and Jesus' fatherly role actually changes. For the first time he comes as a father, he comes as a father to father you in Christ. Then when he fathers you in Christ, then after a while he brings you, he raises you into another place. Praise God. A higher place where you, he begins to bring the, the, the will of God himself to you. Am I making sense to you? Praise God. Does this make sense to you at all? Okay. Thank you, Jesus. So the father, now I'm talking about not, I'm talking of the father in the realm of God, right? His job is to Establish the works that men must do. Establish the works that men must do to come into the will of God. Praise God. So you now see that father, anytime you find fatherhood spiritually, anytime someone comes into that dealing of the father, it's actually, it actually has one goal in sight. It's to bring souls into the will of God. To bring souls into what? The will of God. That's the purpose of fatherhood. To bring hearts, to bring souls into the will of God. Amen. So let's read First John 2. It says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world, that if any man love the world, 
the love of the word, Father, is not in him. So you're seeing a demarcation where the love of the Father, this thing called the love of the Father, begins to appear. The love of the Father begins to appear when the love of the world has been extinguished from his soul. Now, his soul can, at the same time, be learning to love Christ and still be loving the world. It's not one day, snap, snap your finger, I no longer love the world, I only love God and love Jesus. No, because we've said before, you're talking about a logos inside a person. Is by breath by breath, revelation by revelation, walk by walk, they are removing certain loves from the soul. And they have to import another word, another love into the soul. So, so the, this thing called the love of the world is the purpose of Christ. This is the purpose of Christ. Like I said before, when you bring conversation of God or the Father, I can use the Father now because you, you understand that you can substitute Father for God when it comes to the training that has to do with the will of God. Hebrews chapter 12 makes us know that. Say, what son is there who the Father does not chastise? Right? See, who God loves, he what? Right? God loves, he chastises. And who, and then the Father scourges every son whom he received. Praise God. So, when it comes to training, the work of a father is to train, is to raise. So, you see that God who sits on the throne, when it's time to now begin to, okay, I want to give my will and my life. He now has to put on an office as a father. Okay, now I'm going to operate now as a father, not as a judge, which is the, the primary estate which God sits on the throne. God sits on the throne mainly as a judge. Praise God. A judge is not necessarily the same thing as a father, even though the father has judgment, because what the father wants to teach is his judgment. But the throne is actually the place of the operation of the will and of the life of God. So God has to come from his throne. He has to come as a father to begin towards to teach right, people in the will of God. Now, what I said is that what can make a soul, a candidate, to learn the will of God is that the thing in man that that is the thing in man that constitutes the blindness against God is that thing called is a love that man has. But as long as this man has that love in him, there is no way you can create desire and appetite for the will of God. Do you know why? This is very simple. It's because no man can love two masters. Right? You can when it comes to love because God deals in love. God doesn't deal in promise. God, I promise you one day I will serve you. God will be waiting. He won't come. He won't engage you. Let's wait for you. We say, God, um, there's a way that I can be devoting some of my resources towards you. Um, 
because there are other things I'm taking care of. But when it comes to things that pertain to you, and normally you resolve those things to maybe, um, one thing I will make sure is that, um, you see, this your work will never lack money. That I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna make sure that as this work is going, we'll just be giving towards it. I will promise you that anytime my time is needed, maybe to come and carry chairs, to move things, praise the Lord, that there will never be a time when, as far as this is your work you're doing, anything that is needed, I will be there to give. That's how we process love, right? Or that's how we process like serving and all of that. Um, but God does not, <laughs> God doesn't desire those things. A lot of times, what we want to give to God, God, that's not what God is coming to take. If God say, okay, let's leave it to you now. Just choose what you, want, what, you, what you have for me. Go and gather it. And then when I'm ready, I'll come and take it. The things that you bring, it will never occur to you naturally to give up what God is actually coming for. Because the thing that God wants to take from you, it's tied to you with strings and things that you don't even know. You don't even know that that thing is, is in one, it's like in your, you have a house and there's one giant room somewhere, you don't even know the room is there. You've been living in that house for how many years? And that room is the control room of the house. In fact, that room is, is as if they're even controlling you from that room. Go here, go there. You thought it was your mind, but it's not your mind. <laughs> That's, say the world. The world is deadly. The world is dangerous. Praise God. So, so the world is that thing that men love. That when you begin to say God, you begin to talk about God, they can't even see. The, the work of the world in the heart of a man is very, very, is layers deep. Peel a layer, there are other layers in there. There are multiple layers of blindness that you must break through first. Are you getting what I'm saying? Before you can even, you can, before you can say, okay, well, let's say I want to deliver this man from the world. I start. So there are many layers of blindness that I must peel up before the world in him begins to even feel threatened at all. I mean, if you know that the world is not afraid of preachers. <laughs> because the world is even involved in the preparation of the message. Okay, this is what we are going to preach. In fact, let's do a series this summer. We're going to do a series on Love Not the World. <laughs> Praise God. Now, who brought that series? <laughs> Praise God. Now, how many messages of love not the world as the world preached? Now, when you finish preaching the message, the world becomes stronger. It's because there is a, there is a great blindness to what the natural man can discern as the world. Christ, the revelation of Christ is the demystifier of worldliness. It's only Christ that can make a worldly man know he is worldly. Pour all the anointing on him. 
Make him, give him all the gifts. Let him be excellent in all the gifts of the Spirit. And he can prophesy. Only him. He will prophesy. He will give tongues. After giving tongues, then he will interpret the tongues. They will not say, okay, I have a prophecy about the tongues. And he will talk about everything. Then when at the end to crown it all, or all at the end, he will now call all the sick and lay hands on them. And again, give word of knowledge and give word of wisdom. And then finish everything. And with all that, are you seeing access now? Imagine all the things a soul must, can be opened up to have access to, to operate in all those gifts. But yet that soul can be completely blind to what is called worldliness. Praise God. A worldly soul can have vision about what will happen tomorrow, and it will happen. He can tell you at this time, these things will happen, give prophecy in this nation of the earth, this will go occur, this will happen, this system, this government will take over and talk everything. And when you wait and check it, it will actually happen. But it's still a worldly soul. The sign, this is a sign of, this is a sign that a soul has stopped becoming worldly. It's the first time that a, a, a little deliverance from worldliness occurred to a mind is the first time the person has a sincere thought about spiritual inheritance. Are you seeing that thought about inheritance? Not winning souls, not building church, not giving to God, not going to heaven. What did I say? About inheritance. About inheritance. What is inheritance? About becoming something else. About becoming something that the world has no use for. (laughs) Because that's who Christ is. The world has no use for Christ. There's nothing that the world cannot do in terms of the sphere of its its normal cause. There's nothing the world cannot attain without Christ. What I mean is that there's nothing that the world will say, ah, this one, no, we can't do this one. No. We have to wait for Christ to come. No. <laughs> no. Even though the world, what was speaking about the world was made by him, the world knew him not. So that word world, of course, is talking about the overall creation, but which is, has been married to the system called worldliness. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? So that's the sign of Christ. The sign that his soul has you begin to make a dent into the the frame and the walk of worldliness within his soul is when the soul can, that thought about becoming genuinely, genuinely, becoming something more, becoming a person being willing to invest into transforming into that nature which the world has no use for. That man who only has relevance in the spirit. That man who is of God. You know what Christ is? Christ is the... Christ... Now, praise God. The, the way I see Christ is... Christ is the... That thing that is from God that 
that something that is not God, that God has any use for, is Christ. Christ, God has no use for any other thing that is not Christ. I don't know if you get what I'm trying to say. Do you know why? Because there's nothing in creation that can serve the purpose for which God created things outside of Christ. Before Christ came, the Bible said, all men have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. What does it mean to fall short of the glory? It means man has no hope for the glory. Man has no, there was no hope. There's nothing. When God sees a man, God can't use him. God has no use for the man. Are you getting what I'm saying? Christ is the man that God has use for. In other words, this is the man that I can give my promise. Or a man that I can, a man that creates the environment, the platform that creates the foundation for me to actualize what I want to actualize in creation. Praise God. Does that make sense to you? Amen. Now, what is the world? The world is the creation of the devil, right? The creation of the devil that is designed to fill the space in the heart of men that Christ ought to take. Now, as long as the world is installed in men, worldliness is installed in men, Christ cannot be installed. They will fight Christ. What is the word? The word is what teaches men. It gives impart wisdom to men to refuse Christ. The world is the, is the power, the glue that ties a man to living on the earth. The world is the, is the link between the, you see this physical world, you see, and your soul. The soul of man. How man doesn't just relate with the physical world naturally, I mean the material universe. Man doesn't just relate with it naturally. The world is an intermediary. It's like we are, we are the one who culture men, we'll teach you how to, we'll teach you, you see this thing called money, for example. We'll give you a concept of how to use it. We'll t- give you a concept of, let's say, civil society, how to organize yourselves. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? How to organize yourself. We'll help you, teach you how to organize yourself into nations, how to secure your nation, how to build, build an economy. We'll be, we don't worry, we'll help you build an economy that everybody will be okay, the less privileged you'll be taken care of. I used to know these wisdoms. Go to the places of the highest thinking of men where they think about how to better humanity on the grandest scale. You go and check, even though there might be a guy sitting in the, as a chairman, he's not the chairman. There's something called the world. That world is, is a giant creation. It's a, the, the, the world is, everybody there is inside of them. This one say, okay, bring your own idea, you bring your own, write it down. This is your, your own idea, write it down. Okay, dear, let's vote on this idea right now. Now, all the, where do all the ideas come from? It's the same spirit. 
Ephesians 2 call it the prince of the power of the air. That's that place where he took the same spirit that walked in the children of disobedience. So you are he quickened who were once dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked according to the cause of this world. According to the cause of this world. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? Say cause. The world is the charter of paths for men. What naturally occurs to a man? Oh, I'm 25 years old now. What should I do? That first thought that comes, that's him. Then the next thought after that one is him too. <laughs> then you say, okay, no, I'm just going to take a retreat just to go and think about this. My, this is a very significant age, 25. I want to think about my next one. Yeah, let me just take a retreat with my Bible and some books and just go and see what the Lord has to say. So, most of the time, who is going to? Who are you going to meet there? <laughs> He has, he has plans for you. When you go, you enter the car, you say, ah, ah, no, no, you forgot your daughter. Go and take it. Who's talking? The world. Yeah, I have things you need to write down. I, I can do this thing called the world. It's like a rain that we are all under. No man can escape it. There is no system that can escape it. Raise a church. Let that church be there. Holy Ghost is in that church. But if that church is void of the knowledge of Christ, the world will take over. The world, inside the world, you find wisdom on how to run church, how to build a church. Inside the world, you have wisdom on how to do evangelism, how to win souls. The world knows how to do that. How do I know? Because you can do all those things and never have one inch of an aspiration or an advancement into the actual will of God.
Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Accomplishment. It's, it is it is not as the world has taught you to always go for solutions. The world always teaches for solutions. That is the wisdom of the world for to always try to bring solutions, even in the places of your infirmities. The world tries to always get rid to bring solutions. But much more than that, I I want to give you all of me. I want to give you me. I want to give you me. My wisdom. My wisdom. My wisdom. My wisdom. My wisdom. My wisdom in Christ is that which will raise you. I. That Amen. is the first placement. That is the first level of rising out of the others of the world. That is the first rising out of the world. That is what awakens you to our realm. That is what wakens you up to our realm. Wakens you up to our realm. For Christ, I am shedding the light of Christ. I will shed the light of Christ yes. even for to ground as Thank many you, as are lacking in that realm. I'm yet shedding my light for to ground you, for to raise you up, for yes. to raise you up, for Thank to you. raise you out of the Thank world, you. for to raise you Thank out you. of the world, for to Thank raise you. you out of the world. For Christ is not just a solution. He yes. is a being. Yes. He is a being. He is a being. He is my being. He is off, out of from me. He is from me. He is from me. Yes. He is a portion of me that was poured for you. He is a portion from me that was poured for you. That even the natural man, even the natural man and the dead men and those that sleep can awake to my realm. Amen. Can awake for to see me. Amen. Can awake for to see me. For we have come for to raise you I. To raise you I. To raise you I. To raise you I. For it's not just solutions. It's not just ending your infirmities. But it is making you a new being. It is making you a new being. It is awakening you to a different realm, to the world that you were made from, to the dimensions you were made from, to the dimension you were made for. For I am your all. I am your all. I am your all. It's in Christ you see that. 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 I am pouring for the will of Christ. For it is a being. He is a being. He is an entity in me. He is an entity in me. I am 
pouring for that dimension. I am sealing up that sum. I am sealing up that sum. I am sealing and perfecting that. Don't just look for solutions. Don't just come to me for solutions, but come to me for to be raised. Come to me for to be raised, for I have a lot in stock for you. There is much more, much more, much more, much more than you can imagine, than you can think in my dimensions of Christ, in my dimensions of me as a father. Come to me for me. Come to me for me. Come to me for me. Come inherit me. I was made for you. I was made for you. You were made for me. 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 For the world has cultured wisdoms in you. Don't worry, for I am a strong man. I am a man of war. Just keep coming. Just keep coming. And I will raise you higher. I will raise you higher. I will awaken you to my realm. Awake thou that sleepest, for I have come to give you life. 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 I have come with my life. I have come with my life. I have come with my life. For I am raising you. I am raising you, my man, says the Spirit of the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Father. Praise God. So it's very clear that Christ is the Christ is the provision of God to open men up to reality beyond the present. Realities beyond the present. Beyond the definition and the dictates of the of the present world. And without that veil of the present being removed from the heart, no soul can begin to perceive God in his real sense, can perceive God in terms of his real estate and who he really, really is. Praise the Lord. Christ is the deliverance from the bondage and the corruption that Peter calls it the corruption that is in the world through lust. Corruption means the ability to decay. There is nothing in the present that is not subject to those forces. Even thought, there is no thought that is so, so perfect that it cannot disintegrate over time. Because the present is subject to corruption. Everything, the best things in this world will be corrupted. Praise God. That's why they are not good. God can never accept something that is subject to corruption. Something that is under the power of corruption. When I say subject, I mean something that is under control right, of the forces of corruption. Christ is the man that corruption cannot control. Christ is a life that has definition beyond and contrary to the definition of life that the corruptible gives to man. Men think in terms of corruption. That's man's main frame of thinking. When you're planning, planning for tomorrow, why are you planning for tomorrow? Why is all the cares of men? When nations come together, 
Say, okay, what? Well, let's think about the vision for the next one. What is based on every thought they have is based on corruption. They have to factor in all the, in the, the corruptibility of man, the corruptible nature of men. Men's systems must be built around the corruption that is in the world through lust. You build a civilization, you must factor in the depravity of men. You can't just build it, you must build jails too. You have to build hospitals too, and you have to build, praise the Lord, you have to build in social services that will deal with all of man's, uh, praise God, Amen. Because everything in the present, everything. So there's nothing you say, oh, no, 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 my, my, my industry, we just deal with things. You know, no, no, you are, it's to serve corruption. And God is saying that it's not good enough. It's not good enough. These things are not good enough. Amen. Any, any thought that is, that is still below, that is subservient to the systems of the world, those thoughts are not good enough. So a man who is full, let's say we, they check you and you are, all you are full of are those things. You are not good enough for God. Because when God is trying to speak to you, he's trying to make himself known to you, you will be resolving him in that same way. You, you will somewhere be thinking, okay, how can I convert this thing to bread somewhere, to money? You know, there are souls like that. All of us are like that somehow. We have to go, oh, internal life, how can, we, oh, how can this thing, ah, if I follow this thing now, okay, how, you're trying to picture your life in the next five years, ten years, uh, where will the prophet, you know, will I be okay? It's corruption. And that thought is so powerful that you cannot not think that way. What it will take to deliver you from thinking like that is not ordinary. They have to, to scatter your framework of reasoning, bring in four foreign things to you. Keep bringing invisible things and make you constantly looking at them. You need to be able to look at spiritual reality and keep looking at it till you lose your senses. Till the, the, the thought that normally flows to, to carnal men, when it wants to flow, it doesn't find a door anymore into your heart. It doesn't have a back door into your consciousness. That was, Jesus was teaching that in Matthew. He said, take no thought for your life. That's the height. Of course, people he was telling that, they can't, they can't accept what he was saying, of course. But they are written for us. Now that is the standard of, the, of an everlasting soul. That, it, that you take no thought for your life. What you eat, what you drink. After all these things do the dogs seek. The Gentiles, the, the, the praise the Lord, the fallen man. After this thing. But you seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Praise God. So we're asking what is the kingdom? The kingdom of God begins, you know, Christ is the first thought in the kingdom. Right, Christ, the kingdom of God, is the beginning of the thought that is foreign. When I say foreign, I mean the thought that deviates from the cause of the world. Christ is introduction to thinking deviantly from the thought of the world, the thought of men. Amen. Let's read a little bit about I want to just stay here a bit. I just want to follow the leading from that interpretation. The Lord wants us to, to establish some things about Christ. Yeah, that's why sometimes when you see you're having difficulty to flow with the thoughts of God, thoughts of everlasting life, it's because there's still something. It's because there's, there's still something inside of you that wants to resolve that thought 
of everlasting life to a benefit. But your framework of benefit and profit and gain is worldly. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? So you will weigh what the Father is saying about the everlasting life, and you can find nothing in it if you've not been delivered from the love of the world. Because if you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you. The love of the Father cannot find a space in the heart that still has the love of the world in it. So you see that this thing called the world, say the world. Some of us thought we've escaped it. Think again. Amen. Praise the Lord. But thank God for the, the, the wisdom of God and the power of God, which we have. Amen. Let's just read a bit of First Corinthians chapter 1. Amen. Praise God. Are we blessed today? Are you sure? Oh, thank you, Jesus. How many of you are angry with me that I'm saying some of these things? Praise God. You all love me. Are you sure? Amen. First Corinthians chapter chapter one verse seventeen. It says, "For Christ, for Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words." Let the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. Now, what's the meaning of wisdom of words? Now, is he saying I'm not teaching with words? Or is he saying that the words I'm saying, they are very foolish, they have no wisdom? Of course, he's a writer. He wrote things and he preached. So he's using words and his words carries wisdom. So what he means by wisdom of words, he's talking about not just the, not vain wisdom of words. That. I'm using words, but the wisdom in the world is coming from somewhere else, coming from a higher place. Praise the Lord. So not with wisdom of words, less the cross of Christ. You know, wisdom of words is when you can you know how to use words and shape words. Too. You know, some people can use words to have impact on, on people. Some guys who are anointed like that, when they tell you about your future today, they will tell you why you need to get some things in order. Because life is what? Lifetime waits for no man. <laughs> some guys are anointed like that. There's some guys I've met that they are an anointing self. It's more than my own. Me, I'm checking my anointing as a preacher. Is it more than the anointing that this guy has? With <laughs> what he's saying. The world has, can anoint people. Praise the Lord. Who can just use, they can, they can make vanity sound like heaven and earth. But Christ is what when you have Christ in you, Christ can still resolve. See, everything they said, with all the urgency and everything, you can still sum it up as vanity. Power. Say power. power. Verse 18 says, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Who is the prudent? You know, there's the wise and then there's the prudent. (laughs) 
what he called wise here, you know the way Paul uses wise, the word wise, he doesn't use it the way we define it. He says wisdom is the application of knowledge. No, that's not. That's not a scriptural definition. Praise God. Because in scripture, wisdom comes before knowledge. You can't know if you're not wise. The way Paul uses the word wisdom, wisdom means that which searches out. Wisdom is the ability to contact that which is unknown, that which is foreign. You might not even fully understand it. You might not fully know it, but that wisdom is just the ability to reach out into resources that are beyond your present, you know. Praise God. So there, so there are two kinds of natures in the world. There's the wise nature. There's the prudent. Who are the wise? The wise are those who have many ideas, but they, they do nothing about it. I've met a lot of people. They can tell you ideas about this one, this industry, that industry, that. In fact, they'll tell you, we investment right now, this is what. But when you check them, they don't do anything. They just, they have wisdom and all that. Praise God. So and sometimes it's not really wisdom, it's foolishness. But amen. But you get what the sense of wisdom. He's, he's bringing the endeavor of men under two categories. In terms of people, souls, who decide to maybe sow energy into shaping their existence in the present. There are two main aspects. There's the wisdom of it, and there's the prudence of it. In terms of achievement, any achievement has two aspects, the wisdom of it and the prudence. The prudence is the, all the process that involves taking your time to apply the wisdom to get things a result. Are you getting what I'm saying? So what God is saying that all the wisdom and the prudence it will bring to nothing. You see, the understanding of the prudent, the wisdom of the wise. So you see, what the wise has is wisdom. What the prudent has is understanding because it's understanding that translates into implementation. Are you getting what I'm saying? So God says he will make them nothing. Verse 20 says, where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Had not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? That for after that, in the wisdom of God, by the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. Unto the Jews a stumbling block, and unto the Greeks foolishness. But unto him them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. So he's just telling you, instead of all these things, God has his own, which is Christ. What I'm just saying this morning is, they want to dislodge the anchor of this world. Because see that deliverance is very necessary to advance. God. Any soul who is still holding on somewhere to the present, you can never profit in the school of the Father. Like Jesus said, you cannot love two masters. Do you know? Because the world is not a friend, it's a master. Is, the world is not an, uh, uh, it's not someone that you, you can just say, no, I don't like you today. I'm not taking what you want today. Okay, what do you have for me today? You hear? 
uh, okay, this is what in the world chapter 3, verse 5. This is what it says. This is what we are doing today. Uh, no, I don't like that one. I'm going to do Jesus today. The world is not like that. The world is a master. Who is a master? A master is someone, he has control over you. You don't even know how he does it. It's like when you are doing his bidding, you are a slave to it. Men who are trapped by the world, the world is also a power. You need power to dislodge a power. To break the influence of a power, you need what? Another power. You need what? Who they call the power of God. Christ is the word power of God. To break the power of the world in souls. Praise God. And how does that power come? It must be preached, verse 23. For we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block and unto the Greeks foolishness. For, but unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men. And the weakness of God is what? Stronger. Now this thing doesn't say that God is weak in one place. That when God is, when you catch God is in his weakest moment, that moment is still stronger than, that's not what they're saying here. <laughs> Praise God. Um, when they say the foolishness of God, it's not talking about foolishness, real foolish. It's talking about how man perceives him. Mm-hmm. That when man sees God, they perceive him as foolish. Say foolishness of God. Even the whole concept that there's a God, sometimes some people just laugh. They what's the meaning of that? And then the weakness of God. That was weakness of God is how men perceive God. You know men think God is weak. When you say, ah, me, I'm just here. I'm just waiting. I'm just trusting God. I say, oh, uncle, what about this situation? What are we going to do about this thing? You say, ah, me, I'm just trusting God. And when you say, I'm just trusting God, the person you are telling you are trusting God, he knows that God is weak. Do you know what he means by God? He has never seen anybody who said, I trusted God, and God just showed up and did something according to his own calculation. Are you understand what I mean by the weakness of God? Now, you see what I'm saying? See, this foolishness of God, weakness of God, this is what makes men depend on the world. You say, No, but I'm a Christian. No, God is strong. I won't sing it. Hey, we're talking about. How we know is when we look at your own life. Do you live as if God is strong? Do you live as if God is wise? If we believe that God is strong and wise, we would have just left our life for him since. Ah, God, whatever you want to teach us, whatever you want to... No, no, but many of us, we, <laughs> many of us, we still have the, we have the program. You know, the program is still running. Amen. When you read this thing, don't think of these unbelievers. You know unbelievers that refuse to believe when you went to preach to them. That because, nah, no. Think of yourself first in this place. Is God wise to you? Is God wise? When God's thought begins to come, are they wise thoughts to you? Are they strong to you? Or do you see them as weak? Because you know that if you just carry this God's thought, ah, this world can deal with you. There's a way you have to be wise in this world, man, to make sure you are okay. We don't think that we can be abandoned to the thoughts of God and that God is strong and wise enough to chart your life and to preserve you in the present. 
Many of us don't believe that. If we really, really believe that, the way we would have been going after him, after his promise, after his life, after his inheritance. Praise God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God had chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things that are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised had God chosen here and things which are not, to bring to naught things that are, so that no flesh should glory in his presence. So this whole thing has to do with who he will accept into where? Into his presence. If God doesn't do it this way, flesh will come there, because flesh will see him appealing. If God came through the framework that the world uses, do you understand what I'm saying? If, in other words, if when you just hear the New Jerusalem, that that word New Jerusalem can appeal to you the same thing in you that you hear winning the lottery, the same thing that thing would do to your debts. If New Jerusalem that is coming out of heaven from God <laughs> can do that to you, then there will be a problem. All of us would have been racing there since. But it's because it doesn't have the same impact. We don't see learning God. We don't put premium and value on it. But if it was that way, that God would say that, look, oh, when you're learning me, there's a natural way you would just see exactly how learning God can translate into gain in the present. What would have happened? All kinds of flesh. You see, anywhere this kind of message is preached, what will happen? You see all kinds of... Even native doctors will come there. <laughs> How many of you believe that? How many of you that even know that even native doctors are not above corruption? No matter how old they are, they act as if they live in the realm of the spirit. No. Bring one million dollars. <laughs> there's, there's an amount of money that can make a lady doctor wear a suit and tie. <laughs> How many of you doubt me? <laughs> you don't believe? You don't believe? You know that wicked shrine in your, in your village that ki- can kill anybody? Everybody's afraid of. There's an amount of money that can shut it down. All the guys who said that our, in our family we have been who serve this thing, we're born to serve this juju. It's an amount of money that can remove that calling. I get what I'm saying. So you see this thing called mammon. They say no, you, no one can serve God and mammon. That mammon is a master. He's powerful. He's strong. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? So that thing called gain in the present. Security, safety is the most powerful force in this place. 
No matter how clean someone looks, and we don't care about it, it's a lie. They care about something in the present. So God doesn't use that framework. God uses a different framework. When God is bringing his own things, it must be foolish. It must sound foolish. That's all they're explaining to us here. Praise God. That no flesh should glory where in his presence. So the reason why God does is that those who will arrive to his, in his presence is that there's this whole wisdom will make sure that only pure beings, or he calls holy, holiness, Holiness without which no man can see God. That, so it means that you can tie holiness to the, the refusal of things that the world has offered. Right? Said so true religion is to take care of widows and all that and then to keep your garment unspotted from the world. When you are unspotted from the world, such a soul is become what? Holy. So, and the goal is we saw last time it should be holy and then without blame before him in love. Those are souls that have been able to escape what the corruption, the pollutions that are in the world. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as it is written, let him that doth what glory, let him glory in the Lord. Praise God. Finally, let's just go back to that um, <clears throat> that first John chapter one. First John chapter one. Praise God. Father, we thank you. Sorry, chapter two, eh? First John two. Thank you, Jesus. Verse, from verse 15 again, it says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. And if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the loss of the flesh and the loss of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is what is of the world. The loss of the flesh, the loss of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away. And lost thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. You see that? So that thing called doing the will. Say doing the will. Is what will make you abide forever. Praise God. And we say that this will is the, the will of God. Is the teaching of the loves of God. You have to go through Christ first. Learn of Christ culminates in the love of Christ that passeth knowledge. Then after you come to the love of Christ that passeth knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That's Ephesians chapter 3. Are you seeing that? Amen. Amen. Praise God. For this cause I bow my knees. That's from verse 14, right, of Ephesians 3. For this cause I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ by whom all the family in heaven and on earth is named. Right, that him what? With might, by his spirit, in his inner man, your inner man, that Christ may dwell in your heart by faith. Then you've been rooted and grounded in love. I'll be able to comprehend together with all the saints what is the 
depth to know the love of Christ that passeth knowledge. Be filled with all what, all the fullness of God. To say to know the love of Christ. You have seen the build up. Christ is a, Christ is a build up into something. There's so much that happens in the learning of Christ. So much. There are so many things. You see, the, to go into the depth of a man and unlock his ties, his, his allegiance to his, the present, his commitment to, be, to having gain in the natural life. So much, so many things. It opens up wilderness experiences, sufferings, all kinds of things, times of, of patience, times of waiting, time when you have to give up tangible things for the intangible, the training, the trying of your faith. All of these things happen. Praise the Lord. All is all encompassed in that time of Christ dwelling in your heart by faith. Then it continues into making you rooted. You know the breadth, the height, the depth, you know the love of Christ. Amen. So when all of those things are happening to now move you into a love conversation. So love conversation is the high conversation in Christ that every soul must get to. That's the conversation that opens up the conversation of Father, Father. So the summary of what I'm saying here is this, that no, any soul that is not a lover, when I say lover, you know what I mean? Lover of things, what? Incorruptible. Things spiritual. Things not of this world. All the things that Christ exposes you to. Any soul that has not come into the nature of a lover, such a soul cannot partake in the conversations of the Father. So Christ is the, the inheriting of the Christ nature is, the, is where all the exercise, everything that needs to be done to turn your soul into a lover of things that are of God, things that are from God. When God says, hey, let that thing go, it's part of the process. Forgive now is part of it. Give up this is part of it. Are you seeing all those commandments of Christ? What they want to do is you must become a lover. That's one thing that everybody in this season, that's what this season is for. But you must first love in Christ before you can begin to love in God. Right? And you see that realm of Christ, that is the breakthrough realm. Christ is the breakthrough provision. That's where they turn a man's taste, your attention. They turn you away from this world. They shift your gaze. They shift your focus. They shift where you pour your energy into. It doesn't mean you don't do anything. It doesn't mean you don't work. It doesn't mean you don't go to school. It doesn't mean you don't have kids. No, no, that's what I'm talking about. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the energy of your soul. Where do you pour it into? When it's time to make sacrifice, what will you sacrifice? Will you give up the natural for the spiritual? Or will you sacrifice the spiritual so that your natural can be okay. Are you get, that's where you begin to get the sense because you can't introduce love without sacrifice. Sacrifice is the language of love. So that you test a lover. What will you be willing to give up? What about your time? Are you getting what I'm saying? So this is the place where we need to push into. You must make up your mind in this season, I must become a lover. I must become a lover. I must become, I must, I will obey faith. I will obey instructions of faith 
and do them until it pushes me into a realm where I am now a lover of such things. Praise God. Amen. I want us to take some time to pray today. We're going to pray for some time. Jesus Christ said that where the treasure of a man is, that there his heart will be also. I want us to begin to pray for the heart commitment to love walk. The heart commitment to love walk. That area of our loves is some of us is very messy. There are things we love we shouldn't love. There are things we've fallen in love with. That area of our loves, they need to be a flow of the power of God. They need to be a release of the power of God to break commitments of our hearts to things. There are some areas we've struggled with. Things that have been difficult for our hearts to let go of, to drop. Areas that we refuse to give way to Christ. Aspects of our heart that Christ needs to be formed. That we refuse to go through the travail. We refuse to be subject to the birth. Paul said, my little children for whom I travail again. That Christ may be formed in you. Open your heart and ask. Ask God. Christ is a gift from God. You can ask him. Just ask him. Ask him for formation. Say, I want formation. That Christ will be formed in me. 
And I want to begin to experience his nature arise against the laws of the world. I want to begin to experience his nature arise in me against commitments to things in the present, things that will pass away, ephemeral things. Let the formation of Christ begin to rise to alter my frame of priority and value and things that I put value on. Let the conversation of Christ travel deep into the recesses of my soul. That he came to his own, his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power. To them gave he power. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ because it is the power of God unto salvation, unto them that believe. All kinds of men can receive that power. Every type of man, to the Jew, to the Greek, to the Gentile, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith. Ask for a fresh revelation of righteousness. Let your heart begin to pant for that which is right. Not just the revelation of it, but the doing of it. The inheritance of right things. You want to inherit right things. You want to be in love with the right things. You want to pant after the right things. You want to desire the right things. Begin to ask for the purging of your loves. The purging of your heart. Begin to ask for that messenger of the covenant. Said he will come suddenly into his temple. Rekamaista praharabo sierabasto kriera mosaya. Begin to ask for the mercy of God now. The mercy. Mashiel Domarama Surie Debo Sota Engrema Crosete Prabarama Surie Debagahata. The mercy of God to move you further, to move you forward in the journey of love. That you begin to move by mercy. Said so it's not of him that will it, nor of him that run it. But it's of God that showeth mercy. Ask for mercy. Ask for mercy. Ask for mercy. 
that you will not fail in this conversation of love. You will not fail in this conversation. Mercy, come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy, to find grace, to help. Grace to help. The time of grace, this time of need. Mandre shepara la basuri ala basote li brandele kavroste ala basundele kaya la basho ireoska. Mandale pataye kayeli atapari ala basotori nevoro preta kabra ira bose. Rekanjeri nono sanjeri entamaya ala baori ala baba oshendeli ala baotan Kristi setari ala baombri ala baongori Mario se Marietaha Maliesaha Marietaha Morie Kayaraba Sonteri Arabo Shondaya Garaba Setabahata Thank you Jesus In Jesus name we have prayed In the name of Jesus our Father, you've heard our prayers. We know you've heard us. Thank you for this message. Just This is, message is just a prayer point. It's just to raise a quest in our heart. For the perfection of things that are lacking in our faith. Every obstacle. Every, everything that is an obstacle from us gaining access fully into the conversation of your love. Everything that needs to be rooted out and those things that need to be built up within us for preparation, for seasons of being accepted in the beloved. Father, our hearts are open. We are allowing your word, we've allowed your word to break us to go deep into our heart, to challenge our, our depths, to question our conversation. Father, we are praying, oh Lord, for you will use this word. Lord, these prayers we have prayed today, may it arise unto you in heaven. May you hear us. Jesus, you said, he that we've asked nothing but in that day, whatsoever we ask the Father in your name, it shall be done. This is what we are asking this morning. That we will take our full portion of the inheritance of Christ, which you have purchased by your blood for us. Lord, my prayer today is that no heart will be left out of this. There are those who might be hearing this for the first time. Those who have been used to this. But Father, may this word be, Lord, a call. May it reside as a call into perfection. That none of us will fall short of it. Father, may there be opening of new doors. New season. Season of leading. All the leading that needs to occur to arrive at this place, Father. Thank you. Because the strength of the world is hold. It's losing its grip on us. Father, we thank you for with joy we expect and we anticipate
that glorious season when we'll be accepted in the beloved. Thank you, our Father. We give all the glory to you today. Thank you for utterance, the grace to minister. We ask that you will continue to help us and to supply. We give you all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. <clears throat> Amen. Between the cherubim shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim shine forth.